0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. And we're back again for another week of some great discussion. And uh, man, we're so glad that you're with us. Can you do me a favor? Can we put our hands together for our other locations that are joining with us? Right now, Orange Park and Jewelington Creek. And anyone maybe watching online that's involved in our our, our priesthood of the believers at Celebration who might be traveling this weekend, we're really glad to have you as well. And we are back again as we continue our series that we've been doing called Supernatural. Don't you just love the Bible Project videos? I say it all the time, I know, but they're great. And uh, I I was telling the first service, even this last week, uh, one of the executives at the Bible Project came and and he met with our team, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Brian. And um, they, they have something like 150 different videos. I don't know if you've browsed the website yet, but um, they do a great job at just making it illustrated and really comprehensible, just maybe by a show of hands. How many of you have learned something new because of you saw it in like a Bible project video? Awesome, all right, then they're working. They're doing a great job then, and uh, we're really thankful for our partnership together. And uh, obviously I'm here with Pastor and Brian. Again, we're gonna continue in our Supernatural series, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this concept out of Genesis on divine rebellions, and I don't have time to do a lot of review because we've got a lot of great new content that we want to open up and discuss today. But uh, make sure you go back. You can watch uh, the Sunday messages. They're online on the YouTube channel um, if you miss those, as well as the podcast. The three of us uh, do video podcasts every single week now. That's another resource that you can view on the YouTube channel. And on that uh, platform, we have uh, a lot more time so we can really spend longer time on, on different bits of information. And we can quote more scriptures and resources and in. Uh, Cite all of the sources kind of that, that we use uh, when we're sharing. So go check those out, and hopefully those will be a blessing to you. But today, um, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open that up, Genesis 11, uh, because this is the third uh, divine uh, rebellion that we see in Scripture, right here in Genesis. Pastor, a few weeks ago, shared Genesis 3. Last week, the three of us discussed Genesis 6, and today we're on to Genesis 11. And before I, I throw it to Pastor Brian to get us into some of our reading, uh, just a quick review in like 30 seconds in case you missed. Um, we, we've, we've been discussing uh, at the very foundation, we know what God wants now, hopefully if you've been following along. We know what God wants, God wants family. From the very beginning of this thing, he desired family, it's what he still desires, it's what he still wants today. We come into that covenant family through relationship. Uh, With Jesus, we understand that we are his imagers. That was one of the things we talked about over the last couple weeks. We also saw this as we examine these rebellions, and every time humans get it wrong, and then God kind of restarts, he always sticks to plan A. Even though there's a restart, it's always plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. It wasn't like he decided, all right, maybe I don't want family, maybe I want something else. No, it's always been plan A, he just keeps restarting it and we're gonna see more of that today. As we also continue to examine this idea of Yahweh, the supreme God, Um, in in, in battle with these lesser gods that have rebelled and fallen away from him, we see that this battle is not just a battle maybe of ideas, but it's a battle of turf. We're gonna take a deeper look at that today. And it's a battle of seed. We understood that from Genesis 6. But what we have hope in is that in Christ, we are now born of an incorruptible seed. Amen? Amen. Right, So that's the benefit and the blessing that we have being in Jesus. We also looked last week at Genesis six about the ark. God started over after Genesis six, started over with a man named Noah. He and his family, they built the ark. And we talked about how we have the opportunity to do that for ourselves and our families today. What is an ark? It was, In Genesis six, it was like a floating sacred space. That, that God kept, right, as he was starting over. It was a floating sacred space, and you and I, all of us, have the opportunity to set our households apart like an ark, which is a sacred space set aside for the Lord, and we're gonna talk more about that. And the last thing that we see through all of this, hopefully you've already recognized it, is from the very beginning, when we looked at Genesis chapter three, God has always had divine competition when it came to the destiny of human beings. And we're going to continue to see that competition at play here in Genesis chapter 11. And so, Brian, I'll throw it to you, maybe for some of our reading. Um, and pastor, if you want to share anything, but what we're going to see today yeah, in I, Genesis 11. Is, uh,
1: so, so uh, I just go want for to it. say this. Yeah, if, if, Tag, if you're, you're it. Yeah. It, it, yes. Tag. Uh, if you're if you're new to celebration if this is your your first sunday okay yeah. you're going you're going to hear some heavy things uh, today and the reason that we show the or one of the reasons why we show the Bible project videos while we do the additional podcast while we have a lot of extra resources whether it 's from dr. Heiser or other biblical scholars is so that we can we can take it and kind of put it in a package for you in how it applies to your everyday life. Yeah. Okay. So, so if we, um, if we quoted, you know, all the scriptures and all the sources and all of those things, we wouldn't have time to really get into the nuts and bolts of, uh, of what we want to talk about in this supernatural series. And so that's why it's so important that like the Bible projects, series on spiritual beings. It is an absolute must. And once again, the things that we're talking about, these things, they're not, there's not much debate at all in the academic world. It's only in the church world that you find a, a, a lot of uh, division over certain things and what things matter in scripture. But in the academic world, they understand that it all matters. Right. And what we're trying to do with our school of theology and as we get into, you know, scripture engagement, which is our biggest uh, value here at Celebration, um, we, we want to marry those two worlds. And it's people like the Bible Project and, I mean, the scholars and artists that they have on their uh, team is, is just amazing. And Dr. Heiser, Dr. McKnight and others, um, um, taking what they do so well is they take Complex meta narrative themes. They they and they just let the text be the text. Right, yeah. And so uh, so just to let you know, first of all, biblical monotheism. It's celebration. We believe in the Trinity: one God, three per- three persons. Uh, uh, it, biblical monotheism is that there is one Creator God. There is only one eternal. Okay? There's only one most high, that's God. God created all the beings. Uh, he created all the angels. He created all the, the other forms of, of spiritual beings that they are uh, the fallen Elohim, the fallen angels, the lesser gods. Okay? Uh, there's only one eternal, and that is God. Jesus is, or, or the Son of God, his life didn't begin in a manger uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, the Son of God has no beginning, and he has no end. Yeah, Uh, and so uh, just to kind of set that foundation as well as we start talking about all this
0: stuff and and why it matters so much. Yeah, we're going to talk, before we're dismissed today, we're going to talk about why this matters for you, your family, and uh, and us as a region here in the Jacksonville area. And so, Brian, before we jump into this Genesis uh, reading, uh, what you're going to see in the rebellions is some rebellions include divine beings. Other rebellions include human beings. But here in Genesis 11 today, we're going to see how both divine and human beings are involved in this third rebellion.
2: Yeah. Aren't you glad we're engaging the scriptures at another level? Come on. It's really important. Jesus in John eight told his own disciples that they were supposed to abide in his word and through that abiding or engaging the scripture, they would actually begin to know the truth. He said the knowledge of the truth produces something. It produces freedom. I think all of us that came in this morning, we want that that freedom. And when you look at these scriptures, we've been using terminology like spiritual beings, divine counsel, and so as we read through Genesis 11, I just want you to you know tune your ears in for some of these terms when you look through this scripture because in Genesis, actually chapter nine, God, speaking of no plan B, God has one plan and that's to partner with humanity to see his rule and reign come upon the earth. After the flood, he starts over with a family, right? He had him build the ark. They survived the, the calamity that came to the earth. Judgment happened, but he starts again with the family. And in Genesis 9 1, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons, blessed his family, and said to them, The same command he gave Adam and Eve. He said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Again, a foreshadowing of the mission that's that we're all responsible for. And then in Genesis chapter 10, we're introduced to a, an individual named Nimrod. Uh, it's, it's an interesting name, probably not recommended to name one of your children uh, Nimrod. It does mean rebellion, so it's a good place to start. Don't start there with naming your children. But this individual was a great military leader, okay? After the flood, sin began to happen again. He became a great military leader, and he actually is the progenitor of the Assyrians and the B- Babylonians, two thorns in Israel. Israel's flesh later on we'll learn about and so the key is is there still spiritual influences that impact earthly leaders to do wicked and evil things all right you guys ready for Genesis chapter 11 here we go it says now the whole earth had one language and the same words language is a big deal in the, in the uh, season of time that we exist. And, it, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, hey, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had bitumen for mortar. Then they said, hey, come, let us build ourselves a city. Let us build ourselves a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose or propose in their hearts to do will now be impossible for them. Verse seven, come, let us go down. Again, divine counsel language, God's speaking to his divine imagers, and he's saying, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse eight, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth and there is a massive
0: amount to there's a lot raise your hand if you've heard that. this story before maybe growing up in church you've heard here's what i'll say before we begin to unpack this a lot of us maybe who grew up in church and you were young our sunday school teachers though well-meaning did kind of a poor job really unpacking genesis 11 because most of us just assume oh this is the this is the chapter where you know humanity got a lot of new languages and isn't that cool right now there's italian and german or whatever i don't know okay uh, not really but you know what i'm saying okay but there 's a whole lot more that we 're going to show and dive into today than just a few different languages come on the scene because what we don 't necessarily study in uh, in in those early bible teaching days is what happened next, and so there 's a lot to really unpack here
1: go ahead i, I was I was just going to say and, and a lot of that is you know it's we, we have this desire to like uh, I, I know it's well-intentioned many times, but, but I think some teachers, Bible teachers, they think like it's their job to try to protect people from the Bible. That's true. Uh, well, you know, this is strange and, and uh, this, is, this is weird and, and I don't understand this. And so other people probably aren't gonna uh, understand it. So huh, let's just protect them from it, uh, but what we understand about Scripture is that if it's in Scripture, it matters. It matters. God wouldn't put it in Scripture if it didn't matter. Um, and and we, it's just the opposite. It's not. It's not our job to try to protect people from God's Word. We need to engage Scripture on its own terms. We need to engage it on its in its context. And also, we need to learn to think well about Scripture. And that's when you understand Genesis 3, 6, and 11. You know, you guys are going to see it again today. You you can see these these patterns. I mean, it's God's mission is the same. The enemy's mission is the same. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, authorities uh, in the unseen realms. And, And this is geographical language. And we'll look at these. Uh, passages of Scripture as we talk about cosmic geography, but once you see the pattern, it's just—it's so easy to spot. Okay, so there's there's Shalom and there's chaos. There's Eden and there's the anti-Eden or the artificial Eden, Babel. What is Babel? It's mankind trying to create a utopia without God, yep. without Yahweh, defining you know without the rule of Jesus, uh, uh, defining uh, good and evil according to His or her own terms, defining truth according to his or her own terms, instead of accepting God's word as truth and taking God's definition of good and evil. Okay, so that we see these themes. So how does chaos start? We don't accept God's word as the definition of truth and good and evil, and then we begin to rule instead of steward. When we rule, we do it our way, we take our authority, and when we do it God's way, we steward his rule and his authority. So it's the, it's just same, same. It's the the mission of God, the mission of the enemy, it's the same. It's still be fruitful and multiply. Um, under the redemption of Jesus, now that's repackaged in the Great Commission. Um, but it's, it's still the same. So thinking well about scripture is why it's so important to understand some of these uh, more, um, it wasn't strange to the writers of the Bible, but it's strange to our 2019 modern Western minds. But, yep. but
2: it's, it's actually a pattern that exists in our current age, which is, you see a pattern, taking technology, right, and utilizing it to create a false heaven. It, it's taking something that, that is godly and good... And the enemy always tries to pervert that, always tries to twist that. And so you see, under the influence of these these beings, humanity's desire is to what? Make a name for himself. Branding is a huge deal in our culture right now. And what I'm so grateful for in this season, even since I've been here since the encounter, I've seen God do so much in so many people's lives where we're bringing celebrations brand literally under the kingdom brand. And that's so important. And humanity decided to try to create heaven its own way. And, and you see it in advertising, you see it even using technology to create a, a place of worship, a ziggurat. It says to literally reach up into the heavens. What were they trying to do? They were trying to get heaven to earth outside of Yahweh's plans and purpose and that you can look at our world right now, what is man trying to do? It's the same dilemma, it's the same pattern. Trying to get salvation and peace and shalom out of things that are actually birthed out of chaos, darkness, and disorder. Yeah? And so it's, it's amazing, we have Jesus who comes and pulls us out of that darkness and chaos and not only saves us, but makes us brand new and and creates inside it. There's an, we're born of an imperishable seed and we've been placed strategically in this season of human history inside of what you might say is, is Babylon and in captivity. And here we are, his agents, God's plan A, to see his kingdom advance. That's good news. Yeah.
0: So what we want to do is we want to show you, we're going to go to a scripture now. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32, it'll be on the screen behind us. We want to show you maybe what the the Bible uh, school teacher kind of left out, because not only did new language come as a result of what the Lord did at Babel, but he begins to separate and scatter humanity. And as he scatters humanity, they now must be governed in all of their different places. And he's going to allow some of these lesser gods, he's going to assign them to govern in these other places. So let's look at it right here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the peoples. He fixed them, right? He fixed the borders of the peoples. How did He fix them? According to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So right here what we see is when God divided up these nations after Babel, they were divided amongst the sons of God.
2: So, so I just was sitting and thinking, like, if you're here for the first time.
0: <laughs> you're in it. You're like, you're just, you we see, just dove right in. Basic,
2: so you're telling me, like, this is what I'd be thinking. So you're yep. telling me that... God, this supreme being basically looks at humanity and in one sense disinherits them and he takes the disinherited people that were once his people, he disinherits them and then he assigns them to what we are saying are lesser gods. Correct.
1: And what about like it says sons of God up there, how do we know that's not like humans? How do we know that's not like you know, uh, elders in Israel or, or something like that. These are all good questions, Clay.
0: What are the, am I the theologian today? Yes.
2: No, but it's like, these are, it should, honestly, I feel like these, these things we're doing is actually provoking and stimulating thought and questions because most people rely upon a specialist to come up here, preach a word, and then it's over. But we're actually going, no, no, it's important for all of us as a people to engage scripture in such a way that we understand the whole narrative. Because if we don't understand the Genesis 3 rebellion, how God comes to save an individual, an individual, and we don't understand Genesis 6, how God comes to save a family and we don't understand Genesis 11, how God starts over and wants to produce a nation, then we will reduce salvation down to an individualistic gospel of grace that simply says this, it's all about one decision. Instead of realizing the impact, we could actually be a part of transforming entire nations as the people of God. That's our destiny, that's our inheritance. Your life counts right now, and so, Those answers to those questions, we can try to break it down for you. But the reality is, we're just taking scripture that says right here, uh, you know, the truth is Israel was not a people yet.
1: Israel Israel wasn't wasn't
2: even a a nation
1: yet. So the
2: argument that somehow he was assigning these nations to leaders of Israel, Israel didn't even exist yet. (laughs) But yet some people actually say that. Some teachers say that. And so we're willing to take the risk of engaging scripture and what we believe it actually saying. And it says that God himself assigned these nations. He gave his people, these people he disinherited, he literally assigned them to a lesser God. And here's what he was saying. You want it your way? Then I'm going to give you a God that's going to lead you your way. And what we see throughout the scriptures, and we see it in Psalm 82, when there's a judgment pronounced over these beings. You can go read it, Psalm 82. God judges these beings and basically tells them because they begin to rule people unjustly and enslave them to themselves. See, these lesser gods, and this is why different nations and different regions are under a certain type of influence. It's not fantasy, this is real. These are real gods leading real people astray. And so people that are stuck right now, even in, our, even in this room, you could be under uh, uh, captivity and held hostage to stuff that you didn't ask for. And the good news is we can see Jesus deliver us, set us free, and transform us like never before.
1: And so what we see here in the story... And Clay, just so I can say, and a lot of translations do say divine beings. Yeah, yeah. The Benaiah Elohim. It's the same as Genesis 6. It's the same as in Job when the sons of God were presenting themselves before the Lord and Satan... Was amongst them. Yep. And, and it's interesting that according to the, to the number of those divine beings, if you go to the table of nations in Genesis 10, you see that there's like, it, there's different language and different things in scholarship, some 70, 72 nations. So now you think, okay, well, Moses had 70 elders. Jesus sent out what? He sent out the 70, yep. remember? Yep. Two by two. What is that? That's, that's the ante. That is the reversal. Yep. That's that's the Lord demonstrating uh, the the replacement yes. of these uh, rulers, these 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 heavenly beings, these fallen angels that that uh, rebelled and began to do things their way instead of God's way. Yep.
0: So God assigns these other nations. We're all tracking, right? Everyone good? Okay, I'm sure you have a lot of questions. We're we're hopefully gonna answer some more. He assigns these lesser gods, right? Otherwise, there's in the 10 commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. If no other gods existed, that commandment's not necessary, okay? Uh, So he assigns all these other gods to rule these other nations, right? But the Bible tells us he keeps a portion to himself. He doesn't just give up all the land. He actually keeps a geography, a portion, a people for himself. And that's when we see in Genesis 12, he starts this dialogue with a man named Abraham. So through this man, Abraham, God, Yahweh, goes into, enters into a covenant, and and he now is going to keep a people to himself. And what Abraham is going to quickly realize is that Yahweh is different than the other gods. Case in point, we don't have time to read it, but there's a story where, and you'll probably understand and remember this, there's a story where Abraham is asked by Yahweh the supreme God, to take his son Isaac up the mountain and sacrifice his son. Raise your hand. Everyone remember that story? Everyone, and, 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 and you can imagine, oh my gosh, this is, what, what in the world are you asking me, right? So he, so he does it. Isaac's walking up the mountain, right? He's like, dad, where's the sacrifice? Like Abraham's just not saying anything. That's an awkward family moment. You know like, what I mean? That's I mean a, what kind
2: of God would ask you to do that?
0: Right, but here, here's the thing. I mean, why wouldn't Abraham like appalled? Like, what do you Yeah. Here's what you got to understand about the ancient Near East: all the lesser gods. This was common. When you were being ruled by one of these lesser gods in these foreign nations, they would ask the people to do these types of sacrifices all the time to appease them: child sacrifices, firstborn sacrifices, human sacrifice. So watch this: the fact so, that Abraham. So, so look,
1: just yeah. look,
0: There's. So
1: oh, yeah. This is this. Listen. Th- that would have been totally normal. normal totally normal normal to, for, for for you to sacrifice a, 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 a child or in many times children yes to the God to your to your God, so that 's why we see in in Leviticus, you know all these commands that you kind of think crazy well, stuff yeah. shouldn 't shouldn't that why does God have to spell this out you know don 't sacrifice your children. Uh, to Molech. Yeah. Why does he have to spell out don't have sex with animals? Why does he have to spell out all these weird sexual deviants? Because that's what they remember. It's all about imaging and the seed. It's it's that it, that's it for control yeah. of the domain yeah. Yeah. of the earth. Yeah. When when men when we sinned um when when we sin back in the garden then Satan he had he he usurped Authority, but he had the legal right. It's like the earth is the the Lord's, but Satan then had the title because God commissioned us uh, to rule, and and so so I, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going? Well, we can go back to Abraham. So, so yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going.
2: Okay. So so hey, Clay, real, so, but you're gonna see a pattern. What, what you're talking about is a pattern yeah. of of. Everything you're gonna see today, and even this account that Pastor Clay's talking about, is Yahweh is creating an understanding that he is so distinct. Yes. Yes. Distinction. Yes. Yes. Like he's so holy. Holiness, start thinking of it like distinction. He's so other compared to these lesser gods. And you see that all these laws, all that is creating this understanding that he is other. He is, he is separate. He is not like these lesser beings. And so go on and, and let's.
0: So, so Abraham comes out of Mesopotamia. All he would have ever known are lesser gods demanding sacrifice like this. So, so a lot of us, we read our Bibles and we think, isn't it crazy that Yahweh would even ask him to sacrifice his son? No, the crazy part was that Yahweh provided a ram. The crazy yeah, part on. was that Yahweh yes. provided something else and yes. didn't have him sacrifice. So in that moment, put your, put, try to put but yourself Clay, in the why seat didn't, of Abraham.
1: Clay, why didn't, why didn't God just tell Abraham that? Why didn't he just tell him, hey, I'm not like the other gods. You're not going to have to sacrifice your children to me. Why didn't he just, why did he have to go through this whole, if you would say, living ritual experience
0: to engage yeah. the word of the Lord I mean, at this point, having seen Abraham walk up a mountain with his son Isaac, Yahweh knows now there is nothing that Abraham will not be obedient to. He will be loyal and obedient to the, I mean, if he was willing to do it, he he knew, he saw Abraham's loyalty in that moment. there's something
2: different between theology and experience. There's something different about
0: knowing that God's distinct.
2: And seeing him show up, yeah, distinct. And yep. I think that's what the season we're in. When we talk about baptism or communion or the things, that, even talking about celebrating the feast, this isn't just for ritual's sake. This isn't just to do something to to occupy our time and blow trumpets. This actually has meaning. Which, by the way, do not even
1: think about bringing a no trumpet shofars to them.
2: If, unless you're a licensed shofar player. Yeah. Do not uh-huh. bring those. But let, you understand? It's like. It's more than just ritual. This is about the understanding that our, our God is so gracious, so good, so, like he, not a, what kind of God would, would demand a, a, a child sacrifice? Not our God. Our God provided a child sacrifice, if you wanna talk about it like that. And so. That's the main thing, even with this, the Babel event and even what happens afterwards and even the assigning of these nations and even starting over with Abraham, he's creating a distinct people in the earth so that other nations would go, you guys serve that God, we want to serve that right.
1: God. yeah, yeah. And then the whole, the, the scripture engagement, it's like, this is why doing Shabbat in your home, why it matters you know when we do things baptism communion like like it's it's the it's the principle of demonstration like we've talked about this before in the greek and the western mind we we say okay if i understand it i believe it but it stays up here in the hebrew mindset it says i don't believe it unless i do it and something actually happens in the living ritual, in the experience, it's scripture scripture engagement. That's why Shabbat, isn't that Jewish? No, it's Genesis 1 and 2, it's scripture engagement. Well you put a, you know, a why do you put this Hebrew letter or this you know mezuzah on your door doorpost because it 's scripture engagement, the feaster scripture eng- engagement. what Abraham was doing he was engaging the Word of the Lord. it was scripture engagement, so the idea of thinking that oh, it's, it's all grace and nothing matters, and if I understand it, then I believe it. Can I tell you this? That is as far from the Hebrew mindset as you can get. Something transformational happens, uh, an encounter happens when you uh, participate in these living rituals uh, with faith. It's not the, you, 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 you have to have faith in what you're doing, but, but it's not enough just to say, oh, I'm, I mentally understand what you're talking about, so I believe it. That's why Jesus said, you know, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. So to us in the West, we immediately wanna fragment it what does that mean? Does the water save you? Or will you save this? or will you, like, like, it, we, we immediately want to divide that thing up into non-theological, philosophical narratives and start just micro-dissecting. <laughs> well, if you believe, get baptized. That would be like the children of Israel when they're they're walking through the Red Sea and they stop in the middle of the, you know, the Lord parted the waters and he's delivering them out of Egypt. What if they would have stopped in the middle of the Red Sea and say, okay, are we delivered now? (laughs) Was it when we, you know, stepped out of Egypt? Is it right now or is it gonna be over there? Three denominations would have been born. Right. If it would have been us today, there would have been three denominations. The, the, the pre-entry, the mid-entry, and the post-entry. Just do it. <laughs> it's, it's whole. We have a whole view of Scripture, a whole view of God. Same way the West tries to fragment um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, it's one God. It's three persons, we're not oneness, but there's no, there's no, they're all one God. We try to make it like, okay, it's the Father in the Old Testament, he's doing all the harsh stuff, and then the nice side of God comes out finally, you know, in, in, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, and you know, it's like Jesus is saving us from the wrath of God. Of God. Do you understand, Jesus is the wrath of God. He's bringing the, there's no division between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus has no beginning. He, he, he is and was and is to come. When we celebrate these feasts, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get it back to you. When we celebrate these, these feasts, what are we doing? We're seeing where we are in God's family, our Lord Jesus who is, but then we're gonna look back to our family history who was, yeah, and then we're gonna look forward to who is to come. The Almighty. Yeah, one God, three persons, our family, and advancing his kingdom.
0: So, So what we want to show you now is now that we understand what's happened after Babel after Genesis 11, and that the nations have now been dispersed and Yahweh keeps his portion for himself. So, so now that comes this idea of cosmic geography. And what that means is that the portion of land and nation and people that he kept for himself, it is now different than all the other surroundings, right? It's it's differently governed. He, he's unique. It, it's a different space. So what we wanna do is we wanna show you several really fun examples in scripture that help us understand the fact that, uh, that geography was different and it was ruled differently and, in different places. And,
1: and, and understanding that if for the kingdom of God to be here on the earth and to fully come, there has to be a land or a realm. Yes. That's what a kingdom is. It's a, 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 a king, a people, and a land or a realm. And so, if, if we don't have a grasp on that, you know, all, what's all this stuff in the, you know, the Old Testament's always about the land. He's gonna give Abra, Abraham this land and land, and we just kind of look at it like, okay, it's land. You know, what, what's, the, what's the big deal? And, and, and we don't understand that without, without a land, the kingdom can't be established. And thank God through Jesus, he rightfully yeah. took back that title deed to the earth so that now legally, which is a whole nother conversation. But remember, God sets his word above his name. God plays by his own rules. When things go bad, God doesn't come in and say, oh, well, you know, I'm gonna break my own rules and just, you know, go around this whole process. That is the awesome thing about God. It's one of the most amazing things about Jesus and his death, burial, resurrection, and uh, ascension is that he, he, fulfilled every jot and every, every single component of what was legally required for him to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, to take back the keys to death and hell, to redeem mankind, and to, to make it where we can go into all the world as God's land, as God's sacred space, as his temple. Okay. So
0: let's take yeah. a look, Brian. Let's take a look at this first example. If you have your Bible in Daniel chapter ten, this is a great first illustration on some cosmic geography. Yeah, let's
2: read through it. So starting in verse, yes. yes. So so yeah. So you see, so you see from, from this point on, to make the Old Testament really simple as you're reading through it and understanding some of the foreshadowing of, of Jesus is to understand that from this point on, now it's Yahweh right, versus lesser gods, and it's God's portion, right, the Israelites, versus these other nations, and so It will actually help you understand some of the wars that the Israelites had to go through in order to inherit the land and why why whole people groups. Honestly, at times, God would say you need to wipe them out. And the reason why is after the flood, there were still giants, there were still Nephilim. And so there's certain cities, certain places, certain locations that were direct competition for God's people and God's land. This wasn't God just randomly going, I want this group of people wiped off the face of the earth. it was actually about turf war it was about kingdom and realm distinction it was about the worlds colliding and warring against one another yeah yes yeah, there's a, there's, and, and
1: and the nations well, well the the satan and the rebel powers they knew that if they could wipe out god's inheritance yes. well then they can take the earth they can have their eden um Which is why still today, you know, there's, if you go to, you know, in the restoration of all things, if you go over that little piece of land over there in Israel, it's, you, you still see that same uh, narrative today of trying to, to wipe out God's people and to take that land.
2: Amen. So we're gonna look at some scriptures out of Daniel just as an example here. I'm gonna read uh, Daniel chapter 10 starting in verse 13 and then we're gonna read 13 and 14 and jump down to 20. It says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, Clay, you wanna set that up before we we dive so right into
0: that here, Daniel's praying he's in the middle of, of the 21 days of prayer and fasting and uh, as he's praying he's he's in Babylon right he's in captivity but he's praying to Yahweh and he, and he's he's asking for intercession he's asking for help and so the Lord Yahweh is is trying to send a ministering servant to Daniel but Daniel remember he's in Babylon he's not in Israel and so here is a ministering servant trying to get to Daniel but it takes him 21 days to reach Daniel because because he is warring in the heavenlies as he is entering in this other dominion that's ruled by lesser gods.
2: And so it says the prince, so this this ministering spirit, this being, is saying the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. Now down to verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince." And so literally, there's a spiritual cosmic type of battle happening as Daniel is praying. That puts perspective on prayer, it puts perspective on intercessory prayer and also puts perspective on God's willingness to uh, allow the enemy, in a sense, to have these lesser nations and to to literally not come out of alignment in the sense of what he assigned as
1: truth. So let's and, look in Ephesians 4. Like, right. if you don't understand this, where does Paul get his Ephesians 4? Uh, I'm what? sorry, Ephesians 4. Um, yeah, Ephesians 6. Um, language. Ephesians 6, princes, principalities, uh, rulers, That that's domain language. Yep. And then it's also, how awesome is this that now because of the blood of Jesus, man, we don't have to wrestle for 21 days to get assistance on. from God, huh? Yeah. Because of the blood of Jesus, man, we get the Holy Spirit right away. Come on, we have we have heavenly favor and heavenly power right away. This is one of the awesome blessings and benefits that we have in our our relationship with God. Can we do 21 days of feasting this year then? No. <laughs> okay, just check it.
0: Hey, here's another quick example in uh first Samuel chapter twenty six. This is with, with David. David is on the run right here. He's running away from King Saul, who's trying to, to kill him. And here in uh first Samuel twenty six and verse nineteen, this is David, Your Majesty, listen to what I have to say. If it is the Lord who has turned you against me, an offering to him will make him change his mind. But if some people have done it, may the Lord curse may the Lord's curse fall on them. Now watch what David says. For they have driven me out from the Lord's land to a country where I can only worship foreign gods. Now, what David is saying contextually right here is he, he's not denying the existence that Yahweh is, is is omnipresent. He understands God is everywhere. I mean, this is the same guy who also wrote, where can I go from your presence? Even if I go down to the depths of Sheol, there you are, you are with me, right? David understands God's everywhere. But what he's referencing here is I'm no longer in Israel. I have been driven out to a foreign land, a foreign land that is under the dominion of other gods. So it's just another example of even David recognized this idea of cosmic geography. And now let's get into our third example, which we're really excited about.
2: There's something, I think, to connect the dots. Like the warfare that exists in the Daniel portion, that warfare existed because he was literally outside of sacred space. Yeah. Does that make sense? So think about now salvation it's important for everybody that's here, if you're you're under lesser gods or you're bound to something, understand that when you are outside of Yahweh's domain, warfare is horribly horrific and awful. And when you're inside of that domain, when you are his sacred space, warfare turns into an opportunity to destroy the works of hell instead of actually surrendering to them. And then David understood, man, I'm out in the wilderness. He he would refer to these people as jackals. I'm out here with the jackals. I'm outside of God's sacred space. Can you imagine this worshiper out on the run, not being able to go back to his home turf? And he knew what home turf advantage was like. He knew and understood that. Now he's not on his home turf and he's outside. Battles and warfare is really, really
0: hard when you're outside of God's domain. And here's, here's our third example if you want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. The Bible tells us there's a man named Naaman and he's in Syria. He's in Damascus which is obviously not Israel. And he falls uh, with a disease uh, called leprosy. And, and leprosy is an incurable disease, right? In fact in, within the law of Moses and in God's law, you, you don't go anywhere near these people. You don't touch them. You don't interact with them. They are on the outside of society. And, and here he is. He's an influential man in Syria and he has leprosy. And someone tells him, you know, it's in the rumor mill that there's a prophet in Israel named Elisha that might be able to help you with this. At this point, he has exhausted all of his resources. He's like, what do I got to lose? Let's pack the team up. Let's go to Israel. Let's see if Elisha can, can help us out. So he makes the journey all the way down there, sick and diseased, gets all the way to Elisha. He finally shows up there to where the prophet is at. Elisha doesn't even come outside to greet him. Naaman is immediately offended that the prophet, because you wanna give some backstory
2: on that? So in the Near East culture with moments like this, if you had disease or sin issues, you would actually go to a priest. So the lesser gods had priests as well and they would actually perform rituals in rivers at times, but it was known that that, that person would actually come and do a ritual with his right hand. And so Naaman is offended because he didn't even come out. He said, at least he could come out and wave a hand over me. And there's a reason behind this because in the Near East culture, it was normal for baptisms to take place and to believe that these lesser gods would bring a deliverance based upon a specialist and his ability to do the right hand signals.
0: Yep. I'm glad it's changed. We don't need specialists anymore. We don't need anymore. specialists. Yep. Um, and so, so he's offended. And Elisha says, all right, tell Naaman, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman's response is, Jordan River, that thing's disgusting. It's muddy. It's nasty. We got better rivers in Damascus. They're cleaner. They're, they're nicer. They're fresher. They're, they're whatever. And, and, and so he doesn't understand why the Jordan River. But nevertheless, here he is. He's at the end of his rope, and he goes. And this is where we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse... Verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Verse 15, then he returned to the man of God. He returned to Elisha, he and all his company. And he came and stood before him, and he said, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, what's interesting about Naaman's confession right here is not just oh man, you guys have a good God. It's, it, what he's saying is your God is God alone. There is none next to him. There is none beside him. He is supreme, right? He's the God in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. He tries to offer Elisha gold and silver and riches. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none of it. And he urged him, uh, to, he urged him to take it. But again, Elisha refused. Now watch verse 17. Then Naaman said, well, if not, Please let there be given to your servant, me, two mule loads of earth. He wants dirt. Can I, can I get some dirt? For from now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. So not only is his... What does dirt have to do with I don't know, Brian, what is it?
1: What? Does dirt
2: have to do with loyalty? <laughs> And that's what you see. It's like this, this understanding that the, the turf, the dirt, was set apart. It was other. And so he knew if I can take, there's something in this land. There's something, like like even though the Jordan River was dirty, there was it was God's river. It was Yahweh's domain. And so he, he experienced firsthand. You want to talk about a living ritual? He experienced right. firsthand to dip into something that was in the natural muddied, and God himself able to show up in that natural circumstance and completely heal him of his disease. And so something transacted in his heart where he's like, I've seen the goodness of the Lord. There can't be any other God like this. I've tried, how many times do you think he tried to get whole? He's desperate. God shows up and he goes, okay, here's my response. I'm gonna take, there's something about this ground. There's something about his presence in this ground. That's what he realized. There's Where God's presence is, where Yahweh's presence is, that is sacred space. And he took sacred space, he took sacred dirt, and he took it back to his home turf, and something in him, I, I, I guess we could speculate, my thought is, he probably put that dirt where he used to kneel and offer to other gods, he probably put that dirt down where his knees hit, sacred
1: space. Yeah. That's just, that's just Brian Schwartz. And, and this is the first thought. foreshadowing we have of, of what we are as new, new covenant followers of Jesus, that, that now we're the sacred space. Yes. Jesus has disarmed all these principalities yes. and powers. In other words, everywhere we go, come on, is Yahweh's space come on. because we're there. Watch. We're, we, we were made from what? Dirt. Adam, the dust of the earth. So here we see Naaman saying, okay, listen, so, so, so I'm going to take this dirt and now I have a legal right. I have Yahweh's hedge. I have the Lord's domain right here in my house, even though I'm in this hostile territory and I'm going to worship the Lord. Listen. Understand that wherever you go, you are Yahweh's domain. You have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Jesus disarmed all these principalities and powers. And why it's so important for for us to, to, to demonstrate believing loyalty is because we're their replacements. They were supposed to 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 help God rule and reign in the earth. But they rebelled. What are we as the redeemed children of God? We're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Paul says we're going to judge angels. We want to demonstrate believing loyalty and we want to show that we can steward God's reign and rule in the earth. See his kingdom established. Have sacred spaces and mobile edens all over the globe so that people can see our God see his goodness, see his love, see his faithfulness, see his power, see his shalom. We have to model what the Great Commission is for. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's, it's, a king, it's, a, it's a kingdom. That's like the Feast of Trumpets that, that, that's coming up. The trumpet, you know, have you ever watched some kind of whatever, some movie with a king, you know, like whatever, medieval castles, all that kind of stuff. And what do they do? The the people come out, and they blow the trumpets. Nar, 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 nar. You know, here comes the king, whoever. Okay? The feast of trumpets, one of the things that that it it demonstrates it's it's the gospel, it's the heralding of the coming king. There's a king coming, there's a kingdom coming. The kingdoms of this world are gonna end, and the kingdom of our Messiah is gonna be established in full. And when he comes, guess what? We want to be found in his domain. We want to be found inside the camp, not outside the camp. Uh, I mean,
2: that's just good preaching right there. (laughs) But I, I just think it's important to understand it doesn't matter where you're it doesn't matter how good or bad your home or your apartment is it doesn't matter like do you understand your your home can become sacred space for the king your your family can become the very sacred space right. Of, of our God, Yahweh, right? Your, your, your family is a big deal. Your existence is a big deal. What Pastor Stovall talked about, we're gonna rule and reign with Jesus. Well, how you live now actually matters. And so I just encourage you, that just as God started over with a man and his family, your family can become a sacred space, a, a hot spot, whatever word you want to use, an outpost for God's invasion. Like, he lives in the supernatural, right? His kingdom is supernatural. Aren't we taught to pray? Hey, right. Bring that supernatural realm into this terrestrial realm because we need an invasion from your realm into this realm. And when you understand sacred space and you understand everything Pastor Stovall just talked about, you, you are that space. You are the place where the presence of God is. And where the presence of God is, miracles can happen. Demons will have to flee. People can be raised from the dead. It happens in our planet. That's where he's calling us to, to understand where we fit in this story. Your life is not random, it has purpose, it has order. Your purpose is to one day to rule and reign with Jesus. This life counts, you yeah. wanna know what to do? Just do what's put in front of you right now
0: and bring the presence yeah. of God into it yeah. and he will lead you through it. Yeah. So as, as the team comes and we get ready to close, Pastor, I just want you to speak to that very last thing when we were back in the green room. We were talking about how this plays out regionally because next week, uh, you know, we're getting together Sunday night. We don't just have morning service next Sunday, but we have an evening gathering where multiple churches are coming here for our Jack's United event. And, um, and that's special because it's regional. And we're talking about space, sacred space. Not only is that applying to us as individuals in our homes, but there's a uniqueness about regions. Do, do
1: y'all know how many churches there are in Jacksonville? One. In God's view, there is one church. There is one church in this region. We have so, in, in, in our eyes, we see all these different churches. In God's eyes, he sees one church. And we, it's, it's another way how this matters we need to stop being in turf wars with one another and understand that 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 we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's time that the kingdom of God become united and we show a united front and we demonstrate, watch. We, we demonstrate, we put into practice what we're talking about, that we can come together as one ecclesia in this geographic domain, we can have a powerful night of worship. We can come to the Lord's table together. We can repent. Even pastors can 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 repent, can forgive, can let things go. We can come to the foot of the cross. We can experience wholeness. And we can see, watch, if we're gonna see the kingdom of God come, you know, like the prayers we pray, kingdom come, will be done. If we're gonna see the kingdom come then we're gonna have to be a kingdom united we can't be a kingdom divided God's kingdom he's just looking for a few uh just he just needs a few to start with I like that's why Jesus said he didn't say you know if a few hundred of y'all could agree he said what if two or three can agree It'll be done by my Father in heaven. So on the, the Feast of Trumpets that obviously foreshadows we engage the story, it foreshadows the return uh, of Jesus, it's going to be on that very night. Sunday is the Feast of Trumpets. So we're going to have our morning services, and then at night we're going to gather in. I think, you know, there's probably, you know, probably 20 or 30 churches, uh, that at least the pastors of those churches are coming, and you know what? We're going to demonstrate that we're a people. We're not just individuals gathered around a common cause. That we're a people, and we're coming together to be united because we know that when the Lord does come, He's not coming for a bond, uh, He's coming for one bride, one bride, one church, and we're going to demonstrate that and show the Lord that we're ready this Sunday night, this coming, or seven days from now, yeah. Amen. Come on, did you guys get something out
2: of this today? You guys can actually stay seated real quick.
1: And please check out the podcast. Yes, we yes. We talk about so
2: much. Uh, we get in a lot more depth in those podcasts, so please check those out. Before we leave today, I was just thinking about, we've covered these three rebellions. You know, I think as you're sitting here this morning, All of us can relate to the idea of chaos and disorder all of us can relate to the idea of feeling like you're you've got a level of disease or dysfunction where sometimes you feel like you're untouchable And I was just thinking man we're here this morning this is kind of like an ark of God you know it's kind of like a garden and we should be able to come into this place be able to be vulnerable even express our needs, which is scary sometimes because usually when we get into that state where we're vulnerable, we we can be afraid that people will exploit that. But we're in the household of God. We're in the sacred space this morning. And I believe it is like an ark. I think God's trying to construct something for our world, a demonstration, a tangible demonstration of his kingdom, which is all about a king, which is all about our great King Jesus. And some of you are here this morning, you need a garden. Some of you need like a Jordan River experience. You need to be dipped in something that takes away what you feel like is diseasing you. And, and some of you need miracles, some of you need all kinds of things when you come into these moments. But we're here this morning and I just feel really strongly that there's, there's a chunk of us. I remember wandering into a Bible study over 20 years ago and had no context of what we talked about today, had no Bible language or knowledge. I just knew I was a mess. And I remember the guy preaching just talked about this jesus that we've been talking about and the way he framed it, it was like he knew him and and hopefully you can hear from pastor stovall pastor clay and myself that we we believe so strongly not just what we're teaching but we know jesus christ he is that way he is that truth he is that life and and there's something about the willingness to just just to take a step towards that ark that God honors. And so this morning, what I wanted to do is give, give us an opportunity, all of us that are here this morning, no matter what you brought in here, no matter what you need, the first need we have is more than just getting fixed up. It's more than just getting better. We actually need to start at the place where he makes us new, where we get that new flesh, that new flesh that Ezekiel talked about in the heart. And so if you're here this morning, let's just stay seated, every eye closed, but every head up because because I believe he's the lifter of our head. And if that's you this morning, you're, you're like I was over 20 years ago. You're wand- you came into this environment and you know in your heart of hearts. And all that preacher did at the end of his message is like, if you want this Jesus, if you want to surrender your life to this Jesus, and start following him and surrender your family and your life to him. This is what he said, if you want that, I want you to stand to your feet. And so I was sitting there, my heart was racing. I started sweating, but I knew that there was something in me that said, just get up. What do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? You have everything to gain. And I feel like this morning, we're gonna stay seated, but I'm gonna count to three. Every eye closed, I'm gonna count to three. And when I count to three and you're here this morning going, I need this Jesus you're talking about. I need this great God you're speaking about. I want that God who doesn't require the firstborn. I want that God that actually gives his son for me. I want that God, I want to be healed, I want to be delivered, I want to be set free. I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. One, two, three. Stand up, thank you, ma'am. Is there anybody else? Thank you, sir. Stand up all over this room, all over this room. And here's what I want you to do. I want to take a next step. I want you to come down here. Just come out of your seats. We invite you down. Church, come on. Let's let's all stand up as they're coming. Let's rejoice. Just come on down. You've stood up. Come on down. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna stand with you this morning. And we're gonna we're gonna cry out to our God. Just come on down. Rush on down here. And of course, if you have other needs when we close out the service, you have other needs for healing and you need miracles and things like that, we're gonna, you can come down here at the end of the service as well. But this is for those that are going, as for me and my house, I'm gonna surrender today. I'm done running. I'm done playing games. I want to surrender my life. I want this Yahweh. I want this great Jesus. I want this great healer. I'm done serving these other gods. They're lesser gods and they're horrific gods. I don't want to Serve them
1: any longer. I want you, Jesus. Mark, you know when you this back to thinking well about Scripture. So now do you you start to get do you have a little bit more insight about all the thinking about Jesus' return and thinking about uh, you know the New Eden and the the heavenly Jerusalem, all of those parables and all those scriptures where it's talking about, you know, the banquet was ready and then the door was shut. And people wanted to get inside. See, they wanted to get inside Yahweh's domain. They wanted to get inside the the lordship of Jesus. But it was too late. They're outside. It's this whole, it's inside God's God's domain, or you're going to end up outside God's Domain and you can follow that theme all through the Bible until the very end in Revelation where it talks about these are the people that'll be outside that'll be it's the people that didn't want Jesus' Lordship, His His rulership. So it's it's serious. You don't want to be found outside God's camp when the lord returns you know i'm sorry I'm no, no
2: no no it's it's the truth I, like it's it, it is life or death in one sense because you, when you choose life when you choose light light overwhelms darkness darkness is the absence of light and when that light comes in It overwhelms, and that's what we're doing today as a people. Can we lift our our hands? Those of you that are here and you've you've made the best decision of your life, why don't we all lift our hands up? You've made the best decision for your life and your family to desire to be the sacred space, literally going, I want to be that sacred space. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I cry out to you. I'm done running. I'm done with these lesser gods. I come out of agreement with them. I'm done with all the things that they've put on me. All the anxiety, all the depression, all the demons that come with them. I renounce them now in the name of Jesus. And I pledge my loyalty to you, Jesus. I wanna know this Father. I wanna know God. I wanna know Yahweh. Jesus, would you save me? I don't want to just get fixed. I need to be made brand new. I want to be recreated. I want to do, Jesus, what you said. I want to be born again. I want to start seeing the kingdom in a whole different way. Would you save me now? I surrender myself to you. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to come now, fill me. I want to be a temple for you, Holy Spirit. I wanna be the sacred space of God. Holy Spirit, come now and fill me and displace every unclean thing that has tried to come against me. Every unclean spirit, displace it now in the name of Jesus. Father God, I give my life to you. I come into the ark. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. And I pledge my loyalty to you from this day forward, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, can we give God a big shout? Come on, thank you, Jesus. Pastor Stovall, he is gonna pray the priestly blessing. One thing for you all, we're gonna have people that are gonna to minister to you, and if you have any other needs, of course, come down, we have communion and those things. But before Pastor prays the blessing, I wanna encourage all of you, the great first step is don't leave this facility and not get water baptized. Make a public declaration of your loyalty. There's something about stepping in, going into those waters, coming out of those waters. We have the clothing for you. You have great people out there that are gonna help you. Okay, that's a great first step, is to be water
1: baptized and pledge your
2: loyalty to Jesus.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna gonna pray. Uh, the blessing over you guys, and then afterwards, pastors, if you could gather around these, and then if you want to, you know, come forward and take communion or pray, uh, you can hang out as long as you want. Um, the Jaguars already won on Thursday, so you don't need to worry about worry about that. But you know, the, the this blessing where it says the Lord bless and keep you, that word keep in the Hebrew, it it it's the same word that's used in the Book of Job when the Bible says that the sons of God, these divine beings were presenting themselves before the Lord and Satan was among them. And God said, I love it. God's God God likes picking a fight sometimes. God says, If you considered my servant Job? And and Satan was like, yeah, but I can't touch him. You're a hedge. You put a hedge around him. That's that same word the Lord blessed. and." keep you. It literally means the hedge, the domain of God. He sets that hedge around you. And I'm going to, so when I pray this prayer, it's more than just a, I want you to receive this by faith. And, uh, and we're going to see God just do powerful, powerful things in our lives as we begin to demonstrate, uh, loyalty and, uh, and, and faithfulness to him. In, in advancing his kingdom, amen? Let me pray for you. I'll speak this over all of you, all of your family, our entire church family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom, wholeness, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all restored in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast.
0: For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.